0: Spotlights is a series of online events and publications focusing on a particular group of victims and survivors who are often hidden from services. As a part of our Spotlight on Homelessness and Domestic Abuse, my colleague Deidre has met with Dr Lucy Allwright from Against Violence and Abuse. In her role as Project Manager at AVA... Lucy aims to improve the response by refuges and emergency housing providers to women experiencing homelessness and multiple disadvantages. In her interview, Lucy shares the insights she's gained from speaking to homeless survivors of domestic abuse and some of the vital changes that we must make to better support the women who are often hidden from services.
1: Hi Lucy, thank you for joining me today to talk about homelessness and domestic abuse. Um, Thanks very much for inviting us. You're welcome. Um, Can you start out by telling me about the project that you've been working on at Against Violence and Abuse? Yeah, so
2: uh, we have been working on a project that was funded by Trust for London to improve uh, homelessness responses to women facing multiple disadvantage, um, and in particular, we're supporting refugees to support that group of women, but we're also looking at um, housing providers, in particular, hostel responses. And it came, it emerged for two reasons. One, um, we did a piece of research with solace women 's aid and we looked at the type of um, what sort of support refugees were able to provide and we found that women uh, with particular mental health needs uh, or particular substance use were being turned away from refugees and actually that 's been borne out more recently by uh, women's Aid's research, No Women Turned Away, which has found similar things, and then it also came from doing work with St Mungo's, who'd done work, uh, a piece of research called Rebuilding Shattered Lives. Or it was, a, it was a big piece of work that found that there was very, there were large numbers of homeless women who'd experienced domestic violence, and homeless services weren't kind of quite up to scratch in supporting that group. So this piece of work is to kind of try and fill in some of those gaps. So it's particularly around mental health and substance use and how we can improve responses, and it's that broader context of that group of women are likely to struggle to access appropriate accommodation, so they're at risk of homelessness.
1: Okay. And why did the project choose to look particularly at women's experiences um, rather than women and men's experiences? Um, I
2: think in particular if you're thinking about the context of homelessness and homelessness services, historically they've been services that have been designed for men. Yeah. So the nature of men's homelessness looks different to women's homelessness. And women will often present with having different experiences. And when St. Mungo started looking at it, they found that um, there was no women's strategy. There was no clear approach about what women needed or what, they, what support needs they might have. And actually they found that... Um, women were having some worse outcomes when they were accessing their services so it seemed really important that we had a gendered lens on this and said well there's clear services for men's homelessness but what's happening with women's homelessness why why are we not able to support this group Um, we also know that some of the systems, particularly around rough sleeping, just won't pick up on women's homelessness. So women tend to wonder if they're rough sleeping. Mm-hmm. They tend to go into shops, uh, takeaways, A&E, police stations. So things like street outreach teams will go out and they will count people who are bedded down. Women don't bed down. So actually, there's also something about... We, just, we don't know the extent of homelessness for women, particularly rough sleeping women.
1: So they were creating responses for the people that they saw were homeless and they were seeing men as homeless and not seeing the women as homeless. They're not seeing the women as homeless. And it seemed really important that we started to kind of say, well,
2: actually, how how do we support women? What, what, What is it that women need in this context?
1: Okay, And in looking at how women experience homelessness, why have you chosen to particularly look at women who are experiencing multiple disadvantages? Sure. Um... I think, well, there's a, there's a broader issue about when
2: there needs to be a, a response for all women who are fleeing violence, um, and we know that domestic violence is a major contributor to women's homelessness, but actually what Ava have historically done is look at filling in the gap. So there are some good services, you know, refuges, there's specialist women's organisations who've been out there for years doing some of this work around um, supporting women, and we want to kind of fill in the gaps and say okay sometimes women are being turned away from those services what more can be done and I think it also taps into some broader stuff around actually this group of people who face multiple disadvantage who are facing substance use facing mental health sometimes an offending history childhood trauma actually that's a kind of um, they're facing a lot of inequality and it's really important to kind of ask well, well what, what should support look like for that group how can
1: we make sure that everyone has access to the same good quality services. Okay so there's a lot of refuges out there for instance that cannot cater to these women's needs and oftentimes they're turned away. Yeah exactly um, particularly with
2: refugees, and that's why we're working with refugees. And, and interestingly when you do start doing some work with refugees, one they'll find that actually there's more women in their service with these experiences but they hadn't picked up on it because they didn't know to ask on it. So sometimes women are coming through but they've been scared to disclose their experiences. So we're creating an environment where women can talk about what help they need. But also I think it's just making refugees realise that actually... The impact of violence on a woman often means that some of these things come up. They might be using substances to cope. They might be experiencing PTSD and trauma. Mm. And it's also about saying to refugees, you know, you, you can already do this work. So I think it's about helping the women's sector reflect on its existing skills as well. It's kind of twofold. It's filling the gaps, but also saying you do this work.
1: Yeah, yeah. and you can improve on it and exactly. just consider all these other circumstances exactly that a woman might be in. Yeah. And I know that a part of your research, you spoke directly to yeah. a lot of survivors who had these experiences. What, what were they telling you? Kind of what did you learn from them?
2: Um,
1: so as part of the project, I think I've interviewed,
2: I've interviewed ten women now. Um, one was in a refuge. Um, two were working with homeless services. Two were in a housing first model. And four were in a women's only hostel. So it was particularly women who'd experienced UV that weren't maybe accessing domestic violence services... And we asked them some questions about their experiences of homelessness as a woman, woman, how they were treated by homelessness services, um, how effective they were at providing support, what made them feel safe. And and also we asked them, you know, what what would you need if you were in charge of this whole system? What, What would you need? And some really interesting themes came out. All the women described experiencing domestic and sexual violence. Um, What they also described was shifting from experiencing domestic violence, maybe in accommodation, to kind of escaping that and then facing harassment and further forms of violence against women on the streets or um, when they encountered services, being targeted by other people in those services. So there's this sense that safety is really unachievable for this group.
1: Yeah. It's it's like constant fear. So you're escaping one form of yeah. violence and then you encounter yeah. another form. Absolutely. Yeah. And what one woman said
2: you don't feel safe. In fact you feel really vulnerable. It's just waiting and you're the target. So there's this sense that it's it feels overwhelmingly inescapable, I yeah. think, homelessness. And it's really overwhelming. Another woman other women talked about the degree to which domestic violence services were located in a notion of home okay so you The very idea of escaping domestic violence is you're fleeing a home space, you're fleeing the domestic space. Yeah. But what about women who form relationships in hostels? Yeah. What about women who form relationships on the streets? The systems don't describe their experiences of domestic violence. They're they're in a coercive, controlling relationship. Yeah. But when you flee that thing, what do you flee it to? You're not escaping your home space. No. And, And in some situations, they were talking about how their abusive partners... We're controlling them, but providing a broader protection from other forms of violence and harassment. Yeah. So there's this horrible double bind where you're damned if you do and you're damned if you don't. Yeah. And the real uncertainty about how you get help... And then equally, when you maybe present at a service, you've reached a stage where you're maybe self-medicating with substances, or you've been involved in prostitution, or you've had a perceived mental health breakdown, and you present as that thing, so the need is picked up as that, but you're carrying the shadow of the abuse with you. I see, so, yeah. So that's, what, that's when, we're, when we're thinking about multiple disadvantage. You think about the, the amount of layers of stuff that women are faced, and... If, if you're looking for a holistic service, that sense about well,
1: what gets prioritised here, yeah. it's, it's really, really tough for women, I think. So it looks like a woman may go into a refuge because of domestic abuse and they might not recognise those other experiences, or a woman may go... To the homeless unit, and then they find that they're presenting for one reason, but again, they don't see the multitude of other issues there. And I'm guessing they might, and then get put into a type of accommodation that puts them further at risk. Absolutely,
2: and and there were instances where people talked about being in um, mixed hostels and facing harassment from mm. men in the hostel, um, sexist comments from um, sort of staff on the desk, and they they talked about there being no sense of building relationships sometimes in those spaces so you didn't know who you could trust at any yeah. point so that relationships were a huge theme actually and the need to build effective relationships and the four women i interviewed who were staying and living in the women's only hostel i think that hostel was doing a really good job at actually kind of building relationships between the workers and those that they were supporting and it was really interesting how much the women valued those relationships as part of the recovery from abuse mm-hmm. but they also talked about when you form a relationship with a worker the sense of ongoing loss because you know that worker might leave and yeah. how that doesn't get mediated right so even when you're getting the support that's working for you, there's a sense that relationship's going to be broken. Yeah. So, again, the trust issue is always there. How, how can I trust that this system's going to support me because it's going to be taken away from me? Yeah. So it, 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 I think it's really tough. Another thing that came out from, from some of the women was that They started to feel like, particularly women who'd rough slept and had kind of multiple experiences of rough sleeping, going in and out of accommodation, that workers expected them to face violence and it was normalised. Right. And and actually, you know, a couple of the workers admitted that to me. They said, this is their daily reality, this is normal. And one woman said, and it was really powerful, she said, you never get used to being attacked. It hurts every single time and the psychological impact and there's no help and no-one cares... And, and I think the other thing that I've really learned from talking to people that are facing such complexity is that um, that workers are facing that complexity too there's and there's not enough done to, to how you mediate that relationship. I think if we're thinking about what women want and need, a holistic service has to be about what does it feel like for someone who's constantly experiencing violence and abuse and what does it feel like to be the person that's holding them. Yeah. And there needs to be so much more work done on those relationships. Yeah. Because I think, yeah,
1: it's just, it's really tough for both sets of people and everyone's trying. (laughs) And you come into any job with your own set of ideas and stereotypes and a lot of those things get brought to light Mm -hmm. in the work that you do. That's probably something I've never thought about. You think a woman in her own home with her child and yeah. children yeah. getting abused by her husband or partner, whoever it is, you think, that's horrific, that's uncalled for, mm-hmm. she needs to get out of it. But there is this sense of, that's what happens on the streets. Yeah. That's what happens to a woman. It does become normalised. Yeah.
2: And, it, and, I, and I was so grateful for that woman saying, it's not normal for me, though.
1: Yeah. <laughs> it still hurts. It's and, still horrendous uh, yeah. every single time. Yeah, every
2: time. And, uh, you know, you find ways to cope. She might disassociate, she might... And she had taken quite a lot of substances, and you think, well, sure. Of course, you do. <laughs> what, what else? Yeah, what else would you do in that situation?
1: Yeah. Yeah. One of the th- uh, the things I know from my experience is a lot of refugees having women come into it based on the premise that they stop using, yeah. that they stop drinking, and it feels like quite an unrealistic expectation of women. I think. If that's been the thing
2: that you're using to manage, and you've not been put in a space where you've been given alternative coping mechanisms and other strategies to self-soothe, other st- strategies to manage, if you're disassociating or if you're experiencing flashbacks or if you can't if you can't sleep because when you sit in a room alone at night you re- you remember those things, then yeah. actually asking someone to remove that thing is is really problematic. Yeah, and I think abstinence-based models for women aren't effective unless work's done before to look at the, the violence the trauma the abuse if yeah. there's if there's scope to talk about your experiences so that you can put things in place to manage that well, some refugees will will have substance using women in and it it wouldn't surprise me if there's there's more use of substances in refuges that's hidden yeah because people are kind of afraid because there's a lot of stigma around substance use still huge yeah. amounts. Um, and there 's a lot of shame that women describe carrying with them, and actually all the interviews women talked about shame and stigma. One woman said it was like carrying around a heavy suitcase with her everywhere, yeah, and I thought that was such a vivid description, just and everything that she had to describe about her life for her felt shameful mm. um, uh, on the On the other side of that, I think sometimes when we focus on all those stigmas and all those barriers, we sometimes forget the resilience and the resources and the, the power and the strength and the fact that women have survived. Um, I think that's another thing that I learned from kind of those interviews. One woman said, we keep getting asked to talk about all this negative stuff, but I'm still alive.
1: Yeah. <laughs> and so, um,
2: that, there's something about us remembering resilience as well that I think is really important.
1: Yeah, And not automatically associating their coping mechanisms. With negativity. And under really tough situations sometimes, yeah. So, we talk a lot about multiple disadvantages and, and what role that plays in their homelessness, but also in, in how professionals should better respond to them. Where does domestic abuse come into that? Is it kind of on equal par with all those other experiences, or do you feel it has a more prominent role within their experience? I think um, we. We know that
2: there's high rates of domestic violence amongst women who are homelessness. I mean, so Mungo's found 35% of women are off sleepers but I th- having spoken to the Women's Strategy Lead, she thinks it's probably higher, but it's not necessarily the presenting issue. I think that women will have faced violence and that impacts on their experiences and views of the world, so the shadow of that violence is carried with them. Okay. So I think... It might be that they present with a substance use issue. It might be that they present with a mental health breakdown. But I think the experience of trauma, the experience of violated relationships... Yeah. ..is one that, that's kind of really prominent. And I think that really came out in the interviews, actually, the the violation of relationships. So I think that's, that's kind of at the core um, when we're thinking about women facing multiple disadvantage because when relationships are violated you know so much comes along with it um, and, and sometimes it's, it's being led by where that person is at so you know Nelson's Trust is doing some really interesting work in trauma informed working practice with women and they're finding very high rates of violence and abuse and trauma amongst that group now the women presenting would say the primary issue is substance use yeah, and that's fine but when you kind of get down to it it's, it's that relationship violation that's led to that situation and maybe they've developed uh, physical addictions to substances which need some work, but actually the work can't happen without the rebuilding of relationships and trust and feelings of safety and emotional mm-hmm. security. And I think... the the common thread is really kind of experiences of trauma yeah. and and for services to think about how they can work in a trauma-informed way. Mm -hmm. So understanding the impact of trauma on a person and how they might respond to that, understanding the impact of trauma on a worker and how they might respond to that and what that means for how you build a relationship with someone.
1: So one of the other questions is that you're working with women who are homeless, they're experiencing violence, they have multiple disadvantages. Um... And to me, they would meet both categories Mm -hmm. of being highly vulnerable and in priority need. Mm -hmm. Why then do they continually find themselves to be homeless? Um, I think, well, sometimes
2: they're not asked about the abuse, so it's not identified. Okay. Uh, Sometimes it's about, actually, often they will be identified as priority need, but it's actually they're put into spaces that don't work for them. So it might be that... Because of what's going on, they're not then able to maintain a tenancy. So if if that woman had been put into housing and given some wraparound support, Mm -hmm. could she have maintained that tenancy? Housing First models, um, St Mungo's have been doing some Housing First pilots. Um, Some of the Fulfilling Lives areas are doing wraparound support with people in housing that looks a bit like that. And actually they're helping people to maintain tenancy. So there's something about getting people in the right accommodation with the right support. Other times they might be put in a mixed hostel... Or they might be put in temporary accommodation. And actually, if we think back to everything I've said about relationship violation, about feelings not feeling safe about... Uh, then it's, it's it's also about, you know, that, that accommodation's not been suitable for that person. Quite re-traumatising. It's quite re-traumatising. And makes yeah. them quite vulnerable to further abuse. Yeah, absolutely, because, you know, people may target them. Yeah. People may... Use them, unfortunately, yeah. not not always. I think, um, as I said, you you'll speak to them where there's huge amounts of resilience, but it's just, yeah, fi- finding the right spaces, and I think having some holistic wraparound support is is really important yeah. um, to kind of get people to, to help them maintain some of those tendencies. So
1: it's not just about them providing them with a space to temporarily live in it's about a space that's appropriate otherwise they cannot stay there and no one should be and
2: and actually um, some of the women in the uh, women's hostel I'd interviewed they'd been found in priority need they'd been put in the hostel and they said you know I feel safe here I've got a roof over my head but I don't know the longer term situation Mm. for me and I think that's a very hard thing as well it's kind of I'm here, but I'm not, I'm not in a home. No. It's, it's temporary, it's, and it's very tiring. And one woman said, I can't, I can't even think about getting a job. I can't even think about doing other things because this is just so overwhelming that I, yeah. don't, have a, I don't have a home space. I don't feel, I don't feel like I have an identity because I don't yeah. have a home. I'm kind of placeless, I'm
1: rootless. And I think yeah. And you can't be... build anything around that, yeah. job, community, yeah. friendships. Exactly. Anything. Um, yeah, it's really tough
2: and she said she one woman i spoke to she um she was a pharmacist and she did have a job but she said you know you can't invite anyone back to the hostel for a, you, you can't cook dinner for a friend it's embarrassing to tell them where you live so there's mm. also something about that that no, another thing to add to your suitcase of shame exactly <laughs> is that and she'd fled violence she'd um had experienced a mental health breakdown as a result of that
1: and She felt entirely like it was her fault. Mm -hmm. What were some of the things that women you spoke to particularly said would be a positive change for them?
2: Um, Women's-only services, more of them. Okay. Um, I think it's interesting that I interviewed some women who'd been in mixed hostels and I interviewed women who'd been in women's-only services. And... You know, some people say, oh, it's fine being in a mixed space, but actually every woman in the women's-only service said, I really value being here. There's things to work out. Uh, One woman, actually one woman was a lesbian, and she said, well, I've been in an abusive relationship with women, so it's not just about... (laughs) Um, But she she said there was something about a sense of safety in that space and a sense that people got it. So I think more women's-only services are really
1: important... Um, and is that just for women... That would be for women who aren't always presenting as experiencing domestic abuse? Because if you present with domestic abuse, lots of times you are put I'm in women-only yeah. space, so that needs to be considered for women who present other ways. Yeah, I think if you're going to be put into a hostel... At then,
2: all. At all. Yeah. Then, then actually having women's-only hostels is really valuable. There's stuff that needs to be worked out. Definitely. You're creating a shared living space, but... Um, a sense that people get it. Um, one woman talked about how confusing it is. it was for her to have to deal with a multitude of services. So she says, when you're in trauma, it's confusing, you're vulnerable, you need one place and you can't find your way elsewhere. It's like being in a maze with a blindfold on. Um, and she said that you just... She said, like, if you're in that maze, you just want one tannoy telling you where to go. You don't want a tannoy being like, go to the substance use service, now go to the mental health service, now go to the TV service. She said, you want want one exit, and you want one loud voice telling you how to get to it. Mm -hmm. But right now, she said she felt like she was just in the middle of this maze trying to get out again, and there were ten different exits, and she didn't know which was the right exit for her. She was... Women talked a lot about paperwork actually and how tiring it is to repeat your story, to um, have to constantly tell services what's happened, about how workers change and they don't talk to each other or don't bother reading notes. Hmm. Um, interestingly, one of the few holistic services does seem to be homeless services because if you're housed somewhere mm-hmm. in a hostel. They have to deal with everything else. So actually, yeah. <laughs> why are we not thinking more about how we can use these spaces and work together um, for for women?
1: So uh, having kind of one representative, yeah, kind of giving that wraparound for And exactly I mean, filtering in those voices.
2: Yeah, absolutely. I think that was really kind of came across strongly. She, they also a woman also talks about. Um, this the lack of clarity about what services do, and the uncertainty about what her role, what the expectation of her is in there. So she said she'll often get to a service and I'll be like, "This is so and so," and she just said they'll give you a leaflet, and then she she said she doesn't she didn't always really understand what they did. She didn't understand what the worker was there for, and she didn't understand what <laughs> like what she had to do for them. Did she have to do something to get something? Oh, I see. So actually she said if you had one page that said this is our service, this is what we do and as a worker this is how I support you this is what I can't do and then at the bottom she said she would like I'm this person this is what I've been through, this is how I'll behave if you treat me in that way and she right. said it's almost like a contract an agreement, <laughs> yeah. an agreement between yeah. you both and kind of real clarity and she said also revisit it each time do you really understand what this is about are you okay with this because there's also a sense that she said, one woman said, you know, she'd experienced all these multiple things. She had mental health, she had substitutes, she'd been involved in prostitution, she'd been, in, she'd been trafficked around the UK, and she was like, but I'm not brain dead. Yeah. <laughs> and you, you treat me like I am, and you don't trust that I'll be able to engage with you, and you
1: don't treat me as an equal. So lastly... What, what would be kind of what your one piece of advice for any professional who might be supporting a woman who's experiencing violence, who's experiencing homelessness and multiple disadvantages? Um, think about relationship
2: building. There's a lot of focus on filling out the form, on crisis management, on your service culture, and I understand that you're going to have to do some of that, but actually... Can you make someone a cup of tea? Can you offer them something to eat? If someone's hungry, it's going to be harder for them to engage. And, you know, I've said a lot about relationship violation. If you are... If you can start from a place of trust and if you can be open and honest about your role, that's the most important thing. People don't want to be worked for, they want to be worked with. Yeah. (laughs) You know, someone, a, a brilliant woman called Paula Harriet that works for Revolving Doors said... Um, after being done to, it's very empowering to be done with. And I just think if we start working from that basis and thinking about the degree to which this isn't about us providing a service, this is about us working with someone and looking at how we can support them. And I think that's what people really want. Um, People find it confusing to constantly fill out paperwork Um, so if you can (laughs) find ways around that Um, understand trauma understand the trauma impact on you as well um, and really take time to look after yourself I think worker self care is not spoken about enough Mm -hmm. and if you're looking after yourself then you can better be there to work with someone else if you don't feel like you're able to manage the trauma impact on you that's not your fault (sighs) that says something about the system in which we're inhabiting but not knowing the consequences of that for you can have really can mean that it's hard to form relationships and Mm. i think that's that's what people need um and be clear about what what you can do and be honest about the
1: limitations of what you can do so it sounds like trusting yeah honest relationships that you reflect on (laughs) great okay well thanks very much for talking to me it's been really interesting good well thank you very much for
2: um yeah talking to ava
0: Thank you for listening. If you'd like to find out more about Safe Lives Spotlight on Domestic Abuse and Homelessness, go to our website, safelives.org.uk, where we'll be uploading content every week from different experts from the 7th of August through to the 15th of September. You can sign up for the webinar on the 22nd of August at 11am by joining the Safe Lives community and going to events. And we want to hear from you. We need your views, experiences, and practice tips. So join the conversation on Twitter with the hashtag #SafeAtHome and get involved on the Safe Lives community.